is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we have a ton of books to talk about, so let's get into it. Kicking it off with Cobra Commander, number one. That's what he says, right? Why does he say that stuff? Why does he say that stuff? From Image Comics. Cobra Law. Written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andrea Milana. This is continuing the Energon universe, which started with Void Rivals, went through Transformers and Duke. Now we're getting the Cobra side of things as we follow the titular Cobra Commander. So hold on, hold on. Um, Spoilers here. Obviously, as we're getting into it, we talked to Joshua Williamson on our podcast about this title. We did? on our live show. Did we talk of, about Cobra Commander? We, we did. did. Yes. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. Oh, man. So everybody should go back and listen to that. But I know we're I following will. Cobra Commander in a bunch of different surprising ways. The thing that we couldn't talk about on the live podcast is we were getting to see Cobra Law, a secret society of Cobra. <laughs> and beyond that, again, big spoiler here, but the big reveal in this issue is all of Cobra's technology is coming from Megatron, who essentially they are harvesting for technology and parts. Some big stuff going down here. Pete, you're a big G.I. Joe guy. What'd you think about this? First off, this is awesome. This is badass. This is absolutely what a fan wants. I want something that picks up right after the movie, right after the G.I. Joe the the movie. movie. Yeah. Famously, a, a sort of a, a strange departure from a lot of the more. But went to Cobra Law. And you're talking about the one with Channing Tatum. The one with Channing Tatum. No, yes, we're not definitely. talking about Channing okay. Tatum. So wait, let me just ask you real quick. So the, the Cobra chant is just saying la, 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 la because of Cobra It's la. Cobra la, 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 la. Yes. <laughs> so that'd be like us saying United States, 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 States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Do they do they harmonize? Because I've never seen this movie. Do they go Cobra la 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 Cobra la 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 la? Nope. Stop. Yeah, they're nope. warming up. They're warming yeah. up for the big Cobra. They're, they're, they're doing their scales. Why won't you stop? Because they're snakes. Because snakes have scales. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is badass. And what's great is the the moment when you kind of realize because you see Cobra with some Transformers type technology. And you're like, how the fuck is he getting this? And then when you see the Megatron piece revealed, it's a nice oh shit moment. Also, this is gruesome. This is like Cobra, like uh, the Cobra Commander, like murders, straight up murders people in this. So this is uh, the the comic looks away at some of the bloodiest moments. So I'm very excited about the tone of this. I love what's happening. I love how it's happening. I love the time frame that it's happening in. Also, the last panel reveal that we get on the Dreadnoughts layer. Just, oh. Just, That's quite, describe the Dreadnoughts. They're like uh, other... Kind of a swamp knuckleheads, but mm-hmm. their leader, Zartan... Uh, is a real is a real badass and uh, you real know, he, piece of work that guy. He can change yeah. faces. And stuff I like will that, say that so. I know you're going to take exception to this, but I don't mean it this way. That was something that didn't work for me. Was that last part of the issue? I Nobody really asked. like this, and I really liked really? all of this because this, like we talked about with Josh on the podcast, it's very horror inflected take. It's yeah. 
really delving into sort of conspiracy theories, underground world, showing a very different thing that we're seeing in Duke, that we're seeing in Transformers, that we're seeing in Void Rivals. And I love all of these different tones that are building up to Omega's story. But since I don't really know who the Dreadnoughts are, leaving me off on that moment, I didn't care versus the rest of the issue made me care about something that I normally do not care about at all. Okay, let me try well, let me try to set this up a little bit, okay? Yeah. So the last thing that you see is the front door of a famous lair for this gang of mercenaries that works for Cobra Commander. Swamp Knuckleheads. Yeah, Swamp Knuckleheads. I didn't realize that was a door. I fucking love doors. Fucking door, dude? You know what a door is? It's a great, because behind it, it's like a cliffhanger. Every time you open a door, it's like, what's to be continued until Mm -hmm. you get it open? Well, it's That's why my mailman, I'm always like, really surprised. The, the the thing is like he, you're you're <laughs> wondering like who is he going to team up with? What's next? And they show you the door of what is next. The dreadnoughts are next. Yeah, I, I, I understand exciting. why that bothered you, Alex, because it felt like a reference you weren't on the inside of. For me, it read more like a lot of comic books where it's like here's a cliffhanger that is like oh, I don't know what this is exactly, but that's cool. Yeah, uh, and I especially I want to shout out just how weird this is like. Coming approaching this for someone as a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch GI Joe. They had guns. We weren't allowed to watch the gun stuff. Uh, we were allowed to watch a bunch of other weird stuff. I don't know. Every time you bring this up, I don't know how to react. Am I supposed to be like, "Oh, Justin, I'm sorry"? Or I don't need your consolation. Well, I'm just telling it, yeah, you. So I'm just telling you why I don't know about the dreadnoughts. Okay, who you said are- afterwards, like you want us to react, <laughs> and I don't know what the fucking do. You're like, I didn't get it. I didn't Art's get to really watch good at this book, by the way. I think oh, the good. Of the I always pause. I always pause because I assume you're going to yell. There's something. a nice amount and of tension. I, I, I think a lot of people probably <laughs> saw the preview pages with Cobra Commander murdering a guy. We joked about this in a previous podcast with yes, the blood the leaking blood. to the snow. But I thought that was very cool. The way that it was paced out was very cool. That's what's really. We were talking about this on the Patreon Slack a little bit, given the news that Daniel Warren Johnson is not drawing. The second arc of Transformers, Jorge Corona is coming on. Great artist as well. But I think one of the real draws of the Energon universe for me, as somebody who would not naturally pick up a Transformers or G.I. Joe comic book, is the fact that the writing team, the art team, are firing on all cylinders here across the board. It snowed in New York, and I've tried to, uh, I've practiced the blood scope, the snake snow yeah. thing and sure. it's much harder than it looks in this comic have you tried it with pee? have you tried it with pee in this snow? yeah i can do it in pee in our b- i can do a pee snake <laughs> pete knows i've shown i've shown i've sent him a lot of pic- pete a lot of pictures about the pee snake hey everybody do the comic book club pee snake <laughs> challenge wherever you are if it's snowing you go out there you do a pee snake you, sh- you send a right fo- photo you gotta make pete the LePage cobra at s- yahoo.com symbol. you send it right there and picture of Pete, pee. whatever you can. He loves looking at that stuff. I mean, if you could do a picture of Pete in P, a Pete LePage, like that's what we want. Then actually, I would love to see that. I yes. know I was joking, so, but I'd be very impressed. Shouts to people. Yeah, I mean, we're both joking and will be impressed. I'm going to not even say if we get this. I'm gonna say I don't want to see it, but I I'll be impressed. Exactly. 
Um, anyway, I'm glad we covered this comic that Pete's excited about. <laughs> I will say I do like this. I haven't been exposed to this. The, coming in sort of uh, unaware, Cobra Commander in his hat with like no face. He oh, seems yeah. like like Carmen Sandy. He dresses like Carmen San Diego, sort of. And yeah. like it's just a fun. But like this comic book truly owns that carries it through super interesting diving into fantastical worlds and i do like i think this is why the energon universe is working because they're getting weirder and getting conspiratorial about it because it's an unnatural fit to be like where do the cobra commanders get their ideas from a giant transformer if that was just like the premise i think we'd be a little more reticent about it but because this and the duke book are getting coming at it from interesting angles it's really working, and uh, I love this. I love these creative teams. Next up, Avengers Twilight, number one from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Daniel Acuna. This is an idea that's been bouncing around, apparently, for not quite, but almost a decade at this point. Going back to when Dark Knight 3 came out, Tom Brevoort had the idea to say, hey, what if we did something that was similar, post-apocalyptic, future set like that but in the marvel universe eventually chip zadarsky came on board and was working on it with daniel acuna and now finally this comic book is here it is set in a supposedly utopian but actually dystopian future where there are no more avengers after an event called hero day but unlike previous things like old man logan where the world has been destroyed now it's a little more like dark knight style like a police state Captain America is fighting against it. There are a couple of other Avengers-affiliated characters like Luke Cage and Daredevil show up here in different capacities. Given the long development time for this book, how do you think it turned out? I mean, I this is a this is a haggard cap. Everyone looks pretty beat down, uh, but I like this. I mean, Chip Zdarsky is just good at giving us. The, even though we've seen ideas in this vein before, his dialogue is always good and interesting. I'm curious about just what further details we're going to learn about this world. It doesn't have the same, like, will old man Logan pop his claws thing? Like, will Cap pop his shield? Probably. Uh, so I guess we can look forward to that. Yeah, this is intense old man Cap here. Uh, badass art. I would say it's super tight. Nanners. Uh, dark story, but uh, fun to see Cap fight again. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's overall a little kind of, um, and I think that's the twilight of it a little bit, the darkness. But uh, overall, I'm excited as a first issue to kind of get into this uh, world and see what happens. You don't think it's the movie Twilight? Like they're going to watch that eventually? Like a sparkly vampire is going to show up? Yeah. The- Like I said, Chip Zdarsky knows what he's doing at this point. He knows his way around a story. He knows how to craft a really serious danger story for Avengers. So I think that is very nice. Real standout to me is Daniel Acuna's art. Yeah. It's really just, he has sort of like these blocky lines and looks, particularly to the craggy old cap that I think are really, really nice throughout the issue. It's funny to hear that they were inspired by Dark Knight 3, of all things, yeah. because you can get that a little bit. There's a sequence where Cap goes on TV with Tony Stark and the Wasp's kid, and that gets a little bit like, yeah, that gets into a little of the classic Dark Knight media-savvy, media-skewering type thing. 
but this is much more reminiscent of Kingdom Come to me in a certain way. Mm. Um, just because that also wasn't like a dystopian world so much as a world where the heroes have given up. And that comes down to maybe I didn't look up the colorist. I'm sorry, but the way Daniel Akuda's art is, it's a more exaggerated form of Alex Ross's art here. It struck mm. me just in terms of the shininess of everybody and the clean, the cleanliness of everybody. Um, so I'm interested to follow this. Um, I don't know if it follows up on the long development time, but as a comic book, I think it's very solid. Oh, I can't actually tell who the colorist is. Maybe is Daniel doing his own colors? Maybe. Maybe he is. Uh, it very well could be. And I, I love that comparison because it is it has those uh, sort of big brights uh, standing mm-hmm. out a lot over the course of the um, the very specific other choices in the arm. Next up, John Constantine Hellblazer, Dead in America, number one from yeah. DC Comics, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. A couple of years back, this team worked on John Constantine. Despite critical acclaim, the title was canceled. Now they're back, continuing the story with a new issue. Pete, you seem psyched, so take it away. Yeah, we got a uh, creepy cover and a creepy start with the zombies and then creepy ghost stuff. Uh, but the art, though. I mean, the art. I love the tone. The colors are so powerful. Uh, uh, Weird to put John on a golf course at the end, but I like the story and I'm going to keep reading it. How about the starting with zombies and being like, are they making a porno over there? Yeah, right. We don't ever revisit that. That's a random moment. Hey, I'm looking, just, I'm looking, let's get back I, to that. If you want to get, get back, back to, to a porno. porno, I have several suggestions. This <laughs> starts out in media res, I think, because the concept of the book is that John Constantine is dead and slowly, per the title, Spoiler in America, guy. dying and slowly dying throughout. Um, and we're following Hard that. Stuff. We're going to uh, conceivably see him brought over the course of the series. I'll throw out there that when this started, I thought, yeah, this is this is a Constantine series. This is solid. This is fun. Um, yeah. This is Cy Spurrier knows how to write some fun dialogue. Aaron Campbell, like you said, great art. And then, not a spoiler here because it's on the cover, but when Dream came in halfway through, oh yeah, that gets me. Like I don't well, like in the wheels. No, it really like just the, oh, shit. Oh, man, oh, it's yeah. a dream of the endless. What's going to go down here? And particularly because they use the old design of dream before yeah. segueing into the Daniel design of dream. Great stuff. Well, Great but stuff. I like the, it, it references the, the switch over and like charting the difference between dream and Daniel and and then doubling back on it in a good way. I agree. This like touched the Sandman world in the same way that James Tynan series has been really using Sandman mythology super well. So if you're a, a Sandman fan, definitely read uh, nightmare country that we've talked about. They're called Fandlers, by the way, Fandlers. Uh, they're called. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fans of the Sandman are called Fandlers. Fandlers. <laughs> not, not fan, fanned men. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Adam Sandler. Okay. Sorry. You thought I was talking about Adam Sandler? Yeah, the Sandman. The Sandman. Yeah. The Sandman. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Wait, are you familiar with the comic book series, The Sandman? Or are you? No, there's a comic book series. It's based on like Billy Madison or uh, oh. Happy oh, wow. Gilmore or one of the others. So all these years when you've one been talking about others? how. There uh, are how so you, many others. Uncut Gems. 
Oh yeah, God. that's definitely the one, the comedy he's known for. <laughs> the and then, feel, let's all sit here and name some of his great Netflix comedies he's made over the last four or five years. Everybody, oh, okay. anybody, anybody could shout them out. Yeah, sure. we can all, think, or we'll uh, just edit them in is. later so we don't feel like we don't know these comedies that Leo. Alex is talking. <laughs> That's not one of them. That's an animated film where he plays a voice. It's I believe one counts. of them is called Jack and Jill. So I'll shout out at least knowing wow, that. Wow, Jack and Jill. Uh, the idea that you have never read a Sandman comic but have been like, I just don't get the Sandman. And you're talking about Adam Sandler the whole time. That's a beautiful bit of mythology we can add. But I'm saying, if you're a fan of the Sandman mythology... Yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> the Nightmare Country book and this book are really bearing that standard forward and are definitely worth picking up. The Weatherman, Volume 3, Number 1 from Image Comics, written by Jonah the Hoop, art by Nathan Fox, is bringing another title that's coming back after a very long break. It is about yep. a weatherman who discovered maybe... Total Recall style, he is actually a secret agent who has been embroiled in this interstellar (laughs) war. We found some twists in the last volume that we're following up here, and we're finally shooting back and getting an origin for exactly what is going on in this series. I was very happy to have this back. I really like this team, both writing and art. Um, I had... Full disclosure, completely forgotten about this series. But when I saw yeah. it come back, I was like, oh, wait, we love. Oh, yeah. Oh, we love this book. Glad this is back. So there you well, go. Well, let me say Nathan Fox was someone that we ha- we had on, I believe, the Pulp Secret Report, one of our earlier uh, Internet adaptations of the comic book club show. So I've always had a special place in my heart for Nathan Fox's art. And it's great here. He now that Daniel Warren Johnson is such a thing, Nathan Fox, I feel like is in that family of artists uh, stylistically and like really telling us emotional stories with like, uh, strong lines, busy pages, but really effective pages. And yeah. uh, this story is really good. I would definitely recommend this. Yeah, this is an intense-ish, amazing art. Just absolutely amazing art. Heartbreaking story. Continues to be great. More, please. Uh, Cool. Feel free to come into the mic whenever you want, Pete. Oh, okay, cool. Let's do an advanced one. Cemetery Kids Don't Die, number one, out February 7th. Don't spoil it. (laughs) Written by Zach Thompson. Art by Daniel Irizarry. This is a real, uh, if you die in the game, you die in real life type situation as a bunch of kids are playing a video game. It's a very sci-fi video game because it's some sort of goopy thing that attaches to your head, but they're doing it to escape their lives. And of course, things end up way more messed up than you'd possibly imagine. I was very impressed by this debut. I thought in particular the art was really disturbing in exactly the way that you want it to be. I like the story. It went to directions I was not expecting. And there's a really good, solid, emotional bent to it throughout as well as we hook into these characters that really need to be in this game emotionally. Yeah, stop spoiling. Uh, yeah. And now are dealing with a situation beyond their control. I will say, despite the, your naming of the premise, I actually think there's uh, there are a couple takes and twists on it that mm-hmm. I thought were really good over the course of it, which I obviously won't say here. But uh, I, I did I did like this, and I thought the art goes back and forth from being sort of light and cartoony uh, to being dark and oh no, their bodies <laughs> over mm-hmm. the course of it. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it's out February 7th, so I don't want to spoil it, but it's a great title. It's Calendar uh, Man cool, down here. Pete's cool the Calendar cover. Man. Um, yeah, I just feel like the, the the art's really unbelievable. I love the character designs of their kind of like, uh, uh, you know, game characters. And, um, you know, I, I feel like there's some really great twists and turns here, and I cannot wait for the next issue. Let's see where the adventure goes next, you know? Tune in next time. <laughs> Join us next time. Pete's famous quote about comics. Let's see where the adventure goes next. Jackpot number one from Marvel. That's where the adventure goes next. Written by Celeste Bronfman. Art by Joy Vasquez and Eric Gapster. Mary Jane has powers now through circumstances more complicated than I personally want to explain. And they are. It makes total sense. It makes total sense, Alex. Um, She uh, has a she went to a different world and met a different man. And then somehow over the course of that was developed into a uh, she has a uh, ability to call up different powers. But it's a slot machine that exists on her arm that her husband, who is sort of her husband, but he also might not be a real person. They had kids that definitely vanished because they weren't real because of God made them, but then unmade them. Talk about Paul. Uh, You know, what I'm talking about Paul. Hey, yeah, Pete yeah. knows Paul. Paul knows Pete. Pete and Paul. Paul. And, he's, and Alex, he's talking about Peter. There's Peter, there's Paul, and there's Pete. And those are different people. And this one character is yeah, named Paul, and he's in there's this There's Pete, book. there's Paul, and there's Mary Jane, yeah, who is the main character. Now yeah, we're talking. Jackpot. Anyway, Jackpot is about a slot machine that lives on your wrist. And sometimes <laughs> it's good, and sometimes it's bad. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, here's the thing. You explained more about that concept than this comic does, which was a very weird thing to me, given that they were like, Jackpot number one. Here's Mary Jane. She has powers now. No explanation necessary. I agree with you completely because I was like, the most explanation was like, Paul's like, hey, I work, I engineered your wrist slot machine thing. He doesn't even use this much explanation. He's like, hey, no, I he worked doesn't. on your slot machine thing so it won't kill you immediately. And it doesn't get you to your best powers, but it just keeps you in the middle. And Mary Jane's like, ah, I'm busy. And I was like, well, tell us a little bit about how this works, because <laughs> this is crazy. I, I don't want to lump on this too much, because I think as a superhero comic, it's fine. I, I don't love the idea of Mary Jane having superpowers. We were talking about this in our Patreon Slack earlier today. But the whole idea that every single superhero world, whether it's comics or movies or TV, always errs towards, let's take the normal pa- people and give them superpowers. I just don't think it's necessary. Some people could be normal, and that's absolutely fine. That said, in this book, there were so many opportunities to give it an emotional texture, and it never went there. Like something with Paul and Mary Jade and their new status quo where he's now her man in the chair somehow, which we don't know what's going on there. Her dealing with I'm a new superhero we don't really get – and the big one, she encounters Spider-Man and Spider-Man's like, hey, good to see you, Mary Jane has powers. Thanks for helping out with this gang war. See you later. You can take out Electro by your own. And I was like, what? Spider-Man and- in a million years would never do that. He'd be like, you can't do this, Mary Jane. And she'd be like, no, I prove myself. And then she does. And then he feels bad about it. Or at least he would hang out and see how it went. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. uh, a couple of things the way it works is like anytime you hang out with someone that does something you eventually do it it's like if one of us was an nfl quarterback eventually we'd all be playing professional football 
100. Uh, 100%. And like Pete just moved to Pennsylvania. Like if we keep talking to him, we're all going to live in Pennsylvania. And like <laughs> Come the triple on bunk down. beds. Exactly. Southern, <laughs> southeastern Pennsylvania is where we're all going to end up inevitably because that's where the story takes place. And this story takes place where everyone's superheroes and it's fine. I will say it doesn't bother me as much as you because Peter and Mary Jane are not going, are not together and they're not going to be together for a while. So this is a fine time to have a fun comic where her and Black Cat coming soon are going to have adventures. I love the Jed McKay mm-hmm. series that happened before, and we're going to see that uh, carrying forward, hopefully in a nice adventure, even if this sort of feels a little bit like it's not telling us the whole story. Pete? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wonder Woman number five. Oh, boy. Nothing okay. to say? Oh, you're mad. Say. Why are you just, mad? He's just mad because he doesn't like Paul and he doesn't like Mary Jane being broken up with Spider-Man or any of that stuff, right? All right, we're going to move on. You you said it. You guys said it all. And you also said, I don't want to lump in on this. So I feel like we've talked about the things we like and don't like about it. So we can just, you know, on to the next. Face it, Tiger. You just struck the jackpot. Wonder Woman number five from DC Comics, written by Tom King. Art by Daniel Samperi and Bellin Ortega. This issue, Wonder Woman is trying to get the various Wonder Girls, though that's not all of their names, to not join her in her fight against the Sovereign, even though she doesn't know about the Sovereign and Sergeant Steel and everything that's going on in America. And then we get a backup story where Trinity, the daughter of Wonder Woman, goes kangaroo racing with the Super Sons. Um, I was, I think, a little hard on the last issue here because I felt like it was a little fractured between. Actually, I think I've been kind of hard on every issue of this book. Just Wait, you've t- been hard on it or you're actually not enjoying it? Um, no, I've been hard on it. I like the craft. I appreciate the craft put into it. Daniel Simperi's art has been great, but I've had a hard time connecting with it. This is the issue that got me. This is the All issue right. that I was totally into. I thought seeing it through the lens of Yara Flores, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not Cassie. Diana, uh, Cassie, and uh, what's her name? Oh, no. You have to do that one on your own. Do- Donna Troy. Donna Troy. Yes. Not Diana. <laughs> I, I knew because you were almost said it. Yeah, Donna Troy. Well, it's um, Donna and Dinah, so it's a Yes, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult for everybody. Anyway, seeing it through their lens, they gave it a really emotional grounding there because these characters have a history with each other that I thought was played out really well. The last page was perfection. I was so happy with yes. that. Yes. Uh, and then these backup stories I've loved across the board. Yes. And this was just another really, really good one. So this is it. I, I'm all in on this Wonder Woman run now. Yeah, I agree. I think this is such a great issue. I love the art. Fun showing Wonder Woman kind of go toe to toe versus some of her fellow warriors and skills challenges. So I felt that was like really cool, but a great way to connect. And yeah, this backup with the young Trinity is just awesome. It's just uh, a lot of fun and very bright and a cool uh, kind of uh, difference between the main story. And yeah, Tom King is just killing it and I'm enjoying it. Uh, Like when McDonald's had a burger that you would combine the cold side and the hot side separately. Tom King just understands structure. And he's uh, a great at putting it together. This book, this issue has just a great, super well-structured book. The backups, 
I don't know what we're doing here with the, with Trinity and all this. It's fun, but it's strange, and I don't know what it is about. So, like, it's I is it just like so, light fun? The, but this no, character seems important. Fun. The whole framing of the comic book is the sovereign telling Trinity the story of how he lost Wonder Woman. That's yeah. what the narration is. So my assumption is the backup stories are walking us up to that point, that they're showing us the history of Trinity. It's through the fun lens of being babysat by the Super Sons. But ultimately, we're getting to that story that we saw in, I want to say, Wonder Woman 700, where Trinity fought with them to eventually get to the Sovereign's prison. So I think it's this timeline thing of bringing it together. Potentially, there's going to be some twists there. Maybe there'll be time travel. I have no idea, but there it's built but what, what is the point of Trinity, I guess? Well, I don't think she is actually Wonder Woman's daughter. Mm. The reason I don't think she's Wonder Woman's daughter is, I want to say it was two issues back, we found out the Amazon, who I'm forgetting the name of, who went on a rampage and killed a bunch of dudes in a bar, was pregnant. I think mm. this is that Amazon's daughter, and Diana ends up adopting her, and that's probably what's going on here, is ultimately she beats the Sovereign, she adopts this baby, and has a new life from there. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, I haven't read this series, so I'm not 100% sure, but that's at least part of the lib I would go out on. And that would be a fun new status quo, at least. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we're getting in the backup story is we get a bunch of teases here as Trinity mentions future events that have happened, including the old gods returning, which seems specifically against the new gods. We hear about President Psycho, which seems to imply that Dr. Psycho is going to become president of the United States. Horrifying. Uh, there's also Brainia, who we know yeah. there's going to be a queen Brainiac showing up, so presumably that's who that is. And the last thing is the Joker Corps, which I assume is the three Joker thing, and there's a bunch of Jokers getting together. I don't know. I mean, of course they're going to organize. Yeah, why not? In a core. Everybody's in a core. I've been wanting to start a core. Mm -hmm. You know? You just got to get a ring and then shoot your rings throughout the galaxy. Speaking of galaxy, why don't we talk about the colonized zombies versus aliens from Image Comics written by Chris Ryle, art by Drew Moss. This is an oversized issue that does exactly what the title says. Gives us zombies versus aliens with humans caught in the middle. Pete, you seem psyched again. What did you think about this one? Yeah, I uh, I thought this was really cool. Aliens are fun. Uh, great kind of uh, team up with the the humans. Uh, amazing art style, though. I mean, oh, uh, just absolutely magnificent. Um, I love how much the animals are really biting people in this. No, oh, they're man. really going you to don't town. See that a lot in zombie stuff. No. No, these animals are biting people just as much as the zombies. So shouts to that. I love the the tone of this is fun because the aliens are like are bumbling mm-hmm. and then they're bumbling. Even when it shits hitting the fan, they're sort of like, oh, I don't know, man. This seems crazy. Oh, no, my friend got eaten. Whoops. Uh, it, it's and there's some fun. The idea that when the um, al- zombie bites the alien, they come back to life sort of or consciousness briefly is a fun twist. 
So I, there's some good ideas here, I think. I, I agree. It's not the same at all. But if you're a fan of Mars Attacks, the movie, I think Ooh, great it's the same sort great of thing, which is like totally. Abs- totally. Exactly. It's just ridiculous. Over the top comedy in the middle of some very, very gross action. And I totally agree with you on the animal thing. It's just such a fun riff on zombie stuff to yeah. see zombified animals at the same time. Fun book if you're a fan of either zombies or aliens. Horse, Another- horse going to have a nibble. The horse has been eating oats for too long. They want a nib. Give me taste. Let me taste a finger, says the horse. Get a nib. Yeah. Every time I go to a farm, horse says that. Horse says, give me a nib. <laughs> Let's move to another advancement. Golgotha Motor Mountain, number one, out March, out March 6th from IDW, written by Matthew Urban and Lottie Nadler, art by Robbie Rodriguez. Um, what, what's this one about? Well, I, I I really like this. I like Robbie yeah. Rodriguez's art. Uh, Robbie Rodriguez, I believe, was the artist on Spider-Gwen for a long time, a mm-hmm. book I loved. Uh, great to see um, him working again. This is about, like, uh, if you find something weird and you're a human, what are you going to do first? Smoke it. <laughs> and these guys smoked it, and it fucked them up in a bad way. Don't and, spoil, dude. This isn't out for a little bit yet. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say too much more about it. But uh, but I, I, th- I thought this was great. I really like the characters. Really interesting here. This is definitely um, a fun and very specific. We get a nice tour of the world at the same time. We're getting a great story. Yeah, I think this is uh, fucked up. I mean, this is some crazy horror tripped out kind of shit, man. I mean, there's some body horror stuff. Uh, but, man, it's a fucked up story. Interesting, but fucked up uh and i'm i'm gonna i want to i want more the real standout for me was robbie rodriguez's art it gets yeah. super psychedelic at points and it's very fun um that's definitely what's going to keep me coming back nothing against the writers but really like his art so there you go cable number one for marvel written by fabian nesueza art by scott eaton We've got in the midst of everything going on, the X and old Cable has to go rescue young Cable from his prison. Uh, He's been imprisoned by Orcus, and they've got a mission together. It doesn't have to do with Orcus is doing. Of course, Cable cables are off on their own. Now, does this have you signing up for an extended package, or are you cutting the cord? Wow! (laughs) Oh man. That's good stuff. No, I'm paying for both <laughs> Spectrum and Optimum. Really? Wow. I'm getting both cables. I'm getting both cables. Down? <laughs> getting both guys cables. coming by me like, well, we don't normally, what? we're not able to. No, if you, can, if, you get, if you get two cables, then the cable guys have to fight when they show up. It's awesome. I don't think, awesome. That's, true. I don't think that's how yeah, that It works. is true. What I'm you do is you cord. They walk in the room and you throw a cable box in the center and they fight to the death. I don't they, think that's true. They it don't use like knives. They use streaming blood. Yes. Oh, this is good. We're gonna. <laughs> this is a, a feature film. Maybe uh, they fight each other with that sharp little center thing in the mm. uh, coaxial cable. You know, the yeah, middle yeah. little rod no, is super yeah, sharp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how they fight. They poke yeah. each other with it right in the eye. Oh man. Anyway, cable. You know, one of them is going to show up like two hours late, though. That's That's the thing. You got to time it very specific (laughs) because they're going to give you a four hour window. Four hours, yeah. yeah. And then suddenly you're like, oh, you want a sandwich? How am I going to get this guy to stick around so he can fight the other guy? 
Yeah. Anyways, yeah, fun cable and younger cable, getting to the bottom of shit. Weird new villain, you know, the gray gargoyle. But I think this is enjoyable. Uh, thank you. Spoiler, yes. It's all right. And He's on the cover for the second issue. It's fine. The the use of the gray gargoyle, I was like, wow, interesting swerve for Cable, a character usually dealing with very high stakes, mm-hmm. uh, austere ideas of time travel, uh, the Ascani uh, tribe in the far future, and he's fighting the gray gargoyle. Uh, they they are fighting the, in the gray gargoyle. The l- potential looper aspects of young Cable and old Cable hanging out, I. Yeah. Could be a sticking point. They don't here. even talk about it. No, I know. And like, that's fine. And maybe we can have some fun with it. I like Fabian's writing. Um, I will say I liked Cable and Bishop teaming up in the, the recent X-Men Fall of X story. Uh, this feels like it's just a little different from that, and that's fine. It's just a gear change from the cable we've uh, most recently seen. I don't know. I I really enjoyed this, honestly. I think, you know, Fabian DeSuiza, of course, knows his way around writing old cable. And oh, yeah. every single scene of cable coming in and being like, we could do this the easy way or the hard way, and everybody running away and be like... Oh, man, I really wanted to shoot some shit up here. Uh, yeah. Just very fun running bit. Everything about young Cable, just needling old Cable about being old. It's It feels like a Shade Black movie in comic books. Oh, that's a good comparison, and yes. I just had a fun time reading this. I think that's what it's going for with some highfalutin sci-fi concepts at the same time. Scott Eden's art, of course, is really, really solid. Um, it is very funny to me that they're like, Orcus is dealing with a techno-organic virus, but that's not our deal. We're doing another thing. We're doing a completely different... We have a different, different techno-organic <laughs> Yes, which, I don't know. They could have connected back to the main thing, but as is, it's fine. Let's get past that. Let's get on to some fun business and have a good time. Yeah, let's get past that and talk about Green Lantern War Journal number five. Wow, moving along, Pete. That is not your job on this show. DC Comics, written by (laughs) Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Montos. John Stewart is dealing with a massive death infection in both himself and in the DC universe, courteous a new courtesy, excuse me, a new threat called the Radiant Black. And they pick things up in a big way this issue as they continue to attack John and his loved ones. There is such a depth of emotion in this comic book, particularly when it comes to the relationship with John Stewart and his mom, where he makes a decision in this issue that, to his own credit, he understands is very messed up. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of complicated stuff going on here. And Philip Kennedy Johnson as a writer, I think, is not shying away from the ramifications of that, which I really like. Agree. He goes hard at stuff, and I appreciate that. Jon Stewart is has never been uh, my favorite Green Lantern because he's often just like the hardened – let's go do this guy and you don't get a lot of the emotionality underneath him. And I've been really enjoying this because I think Philip Kennedy Johnson has provided um, a lot of great emotional storytelling underneath while staying true to the character who is so diligent and such a like, let's go get this done Green Lantern of all of them. So, and the art by Montos is really great and really fitting. It has like sort of an edge to it uh, while still maintaining the Green Lantern uh, brightest day. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Philip Kennedy Johnson is a badass in his own right. And he kind of brings one of your favorite Johnsons. That's that's correct. And he brings that to his projects. And could you write them real quick? So Philip Kennedy Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Johnson, Johnson, Daniel Warren Johnson, your Johnson. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So I just think great covers, cool start. I love if you will. The splash pages uh, looking at Earth are really awesome. There's emotional stuff with his mom. Um, Yeah. And there's that kind of line where Green Lantern can do anything. Uh, Just powerful stuff. Hits you in the feels. Uh, Cool story. Great art. Uh, I'm enjoying this. Looking forward to more. Can we talk about that moment for one second before we move on? Because I think that's what I was getting towards and spoilers here. But John Stewart's mother has dementia and is slowly failing. He needs to leave her alone. She thinks her she doesn't know her daughter is dead. And yeah. So when he says Greenlander could do anything, he creates a simulacrum of his own sister to spend time with and protect his mother. It's very upsetting and very messed up. And he recognizes it to play with a dementia patient's emotions like that. So the duality of a Green Lantern could do anything, but should they is something that I imagine we will delve into in future issues. Well, what I liked about it is it's, it's a natural extension of what a lot of people do. when when you're around someone with dementia where it's like, yes, you're sort of like, you want them to feel comfort. Mm -hmm. So this is like the heightened superhero version of that. I was like, Oh, I'll just, do the comfortable thing. And it also speaks to a potential like flaw or a character trait where he's like, I can't deal with this right now. I have to do the greatest good for the greatest number of people and leave, but I'm going to leave behind this eh, morally, uh, potentially dubious, uh, some, uh, simulacrum in, in place of me talking to my mom. So like, I don't know. I, I thought there was just mm-hmm. so much happening in that one moment that was really, really great, really smartly done. I thought, 100% agree with you. I just wanted to spend a little more yeah, time talking no, about 100%. that. Next up, The Deviant, number three from Image Comics, written by James Tide of the Fourth, art by Joshua Hickson. This is a messed up Christmas story involving a serial killer who dressed up as Santa and mutilated a bunch of people and killed them back in the day. Now that killer is back, but at the same time, we have a comic book writer who ostensibly is writing a comic book about that serial killer and investigating him. However, in this issue, we certainly get the sense that not everything is quite as it seems. I love this series. It is very uncomfortable to read, but purposefully so, as it really needles on your ideas of the truth, on your ideas of sexuality, how that intersects with deviance per the title. Um, Very smartly done. Well, and like just to be like, hey, I know we all want people to behave a certain way, want people with power to behave a certain way, but people with that power did not behave uh, Mm. the right way at different times in in now and the present day included in that. So like really playing with that and it's the everyday horror that we're getting here. We've seen a little bit of the horror and the gore from this Santa Claus serial killer, but we spent so much more time with the everyday horror of false accusation, uh, homophobia leading to violence and all these other things that are played for just great Great, well told, not great that it's happening, but really well told horror moments in this comic. 
Yeah, that's an important point. Uh, not great that it's happening. Yeah, this is a crazy fucking issue. <laughs> great. Uh, let me ask a question, and I mean this sincerely. This is legitimately a question. Pete is going to hate that I even asked this, but I'm honestly curious if anybody, if either of you know or anybody in our listening audience knows this. I have not looked this up. <laughs> Why can't you show the tip of an erect penis in a comic book? <laughs> Wait, and why? You know, it's, this, the por- are- it's like showing a nipple. That's the pornographic part that has to be. Here's the yeah. thing. We've talked about this before. I don't remember the comic book, but there was something where we were like, we got the whole erect penis except the tip. Don't worry, guys. We censored that. And same thing here in this book. There's a point when this cop who suspects a guy from being the silly killer, the implication of this book is maybe he actually isn't so much as he was yeah. implicated because he's gay. Oh, I- Oh, I think definitely that. Yes. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think there might be some twists and turns potentially to come. But the cop finds some explicit male-on-male pornography on his toilet. He opens it up, and we see the erect shaft of the penis, but the tip is censored. I'm like, I feel well, like we can extrapolate from there. It's just out of the frame. It's not like it's blurred. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think I mean, I think Pete's right in that it's <laughs> gesturing toward it. But like there are in the panels right next to it, there are also penises. And I will say, though, they're not fully erect to your point, Alex. Right. Uh, well, that's what I I'm also, saying is like if there was an erect penis and you're like, oh, what's that? And then it zoomed out of their tip. You're like, whoa. Oh, no. I also think there's an there's an issue of like getting into detail of that specific sure. and then not. So I think just from an art perspective, it's like, well, maybe I don't want to get into the details of that. When in these other shots here, you're, they're sort of just just vaguely drawing a flaccid penis. Um, I don't know. Some people are uncomfortable with seeing drawn sexual organs or even talking about them on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but those same people, of course, are like, show me the erect shaft. I'm good to go. Show me the tip. No thanks. Hey, here's a tip. Don't show me the tip. <laughs> Miracle Man, the Silver Age, number seven from Marvel, written by Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. Art by Mark Buckingham. After almost or maybe more than three decades, we are finally getting the end of the Silver Age storyline that Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham began. Wait, back. wait. Yes. You, which one is it? Because on the Comic Book Club podcast, you said Gaiman, and now you're saying Gaiman. Which Gaiman. fucking? It's I, Gaiman. If I said Gaiman, I mispronounced it. It's Gaiman. Okay, yeah. all right. Why are you so mad? Oh my god! Well, I'm just trying to figure out which one it is because he's hey, going back and forth. It's uh, Gaiman. Yeah, great. Jesus, <laughs> Pete, you're I so mad. Too. I feel like Alex just showed you his erect penis head, <laughs> <laughs> but not the tip. That would be pornographic, I guess. Move on. (laughs) We're getting the end of the storyline. Kid Miracle Man has finally understood his own origins and what's going on with him. And in this issue, is confronting Miracle Man with a bunch of different choices, leading to a big change that is going to lead into the next totally original arc of the comic book called The Dark Age. This was great. I love this. The question that we've been asking... All along, why are you coming back to this? Why are you doing yeah. this now? Not what in is like this an, about? Yeah, not in an accusatory way, so much as wondering what the point of bringing the project back comes to bear on this issue in such an incredible way. I was blown away. 
Agree. Like the fact – and something that like wasn't seeded. Like I feel like these – the earlier issues leading up to this were interesting, but I was like this is a, a, a person, a, a boy discovering the parts of growing up. I didn't know what we were heading toward, and this issue just crystallized everything and set it up in a way where I'm super excited. It made mm-hmm. um, him the main character of the Miracle Man universe, and it is setting up for just a great, excuse me, dichotomy between these two from Miracle Man and um, and Young Miracle Man. No, Miracle Boy. Yeah, young, uh, young. Beautiful art. Love the splash page of the, <laughs> them giant over Australia. That was really cool. Um, yeah, I also like it when someone comes up to you and it's like, hey, just a heads up. I'm I'm going to be your adversary. Not right now. But, uh, just That's how we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was working at the pit and I was like, I'd love one guy and his adversary. <laughs> there you go. That's what you got. <laughs> It's all working out. You're the miracle woman of this podcast. Great comic book. Definitely check it out. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. And number four from DC Comics. Written by Brian Bucciolato. Art by Christian Duce. (laughs) Yes, the dude. Booch Booch and the douche. This is per the title. You know what's going on here. Except Superman is dead. Or is he? Batman or certainly doesn't believe he's he? dead, but he was yep. killed by Godzilla in a previous issue. Meanwhile, more monster fights are going on throughout the DC universe as the Justice League continues to try to figure out why these monsters are here and what is going on. What do you guys think about this one? I mean, this is... Everyone is confused in this comic all the time to the point where the last panel is... Is is an Aquaman walking into a room and he sees a giant skull and there's just a giant question mark that appears over his head? I was like, yeah, man, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and it seems like these guys don't either. This feels like I think this this series started with some interesting uh, positioning of like Superman and Lois. Superman was going to propose to Lois and all that. And we're getting that a little bit of that continuing, but it's gotten into a place where I'm like, there's just like so many things happening and there's so much general confusion that I wish we had a little bit more of a, a clean thread guiding us through. No way, man. When giant, uh, Mecham, uh, Godzilla shows up and I, I just Kong all, all hell goes, you know, it gets, it gets crazy. <laughs> so things aren't all lining up for you in a concise way. I, I think this is another badass issue. I love this. I love the green arrow and Kong team up in this issue. Oh my God. Just love it all. More monsters, more fun, more madness. Thank you, please. So Pete, when you see a, like you see a King Kong, you're like, great news. I trust this giant ape. Yep. So Always. what how big would the ape have to be for you to go from being like, oh cute, to being like, no, no, too big, to being like Kong Over level, 20 stories. I'm happy. It's 20, twenty stories. Yeah. Is but Kong the, that big? Yeah. He the, he famously climbed the, it the Empire changes. State. It changes. It does change. We anyways, should sort that out as a culture. He should be he should be like five stuff. stories tall. The the uh, lowest uh, whispering into a maybe dead Superman's ear is is very touching. But yeah. what's your what's your like like That's ape a terrible fear way of describing it? But I agree with you. Thank you. Like, where does an ape go from uh, cute to scary to good again when Kong? Just give me some. Okay, hype. so anything from like you know around two feet's cute. Okay, 
three, four, five. Okay. You know, I'm starting to not trust you a little bit. And then, um, and you this know, goes for I, humans anything, as well, right? No, I'm not talking I believe humans. so. And then, I, like 10 feet and above, you're my dog. That's great to know. You're my dog. <laughs> I agree with both die. of you about this, by the way. I was very touched by the Superman Lois seed. I thought that really got to the emotional core of yes, what the series did. should be about. I also thought the Green Arrow Cog team oh, up was very fun. So fun. But to Justin's point, the continuity and mythology of the monster verse from Legendary oh, is point. so insane and hard to follow. Yeah. Um, it's weighing Don't this follow. down a little bit while the DC stuff, I mean, I say this is a comic book fan, which that's probably nonsense to everybody else, but it's a little more followable and a little more fun. Um, so I don't know. Still willing to read this Phantom Road. Oh, and the release the Kraken joke. Very silly, but good times. Release the Kraken. I know Pete would love that. Phantom Road, number eight from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Gabriel H. Walta. We are following two folks on a fun road trip across the country. (laughs) I don't know how fun it is. Oh, my God. So much fun. They have some cargo that is mysterious, maybe an angel they are trying to take through, maybe purgatory. A lot of mysteries going on here. Justin, what do you think about this one? Uh, I like this. The the Gabriel Walta art is so good. Come on. It's uh, really great. This issue is feels like it's a very much a uh, a building a mill middling issue building oh, up toward the reveal at the end. But that, that's fine. We have to have middles. That's how you get from the beginning to the end. Um, going, it's Pete? great. It's like the torso of a story, which is an important part of the body. I just I, saw Pete's torso get up and walk out of the recording. Weirdly, are you done? What I'm are you done doing? being an asshole. But, Positively reviewing this comic, yes, um, I enjoy this. Uh, I Pete, I would, I wish you liked this, but you didn't shout it out on our live show, so I guess you don't care. No, that's not true. This is another great ish. All right, we get some answers about the bear monster and the cargo. So I want to hear shit about you saying middling. All right, uh, haunting art, haunting art in all the right ways. More, please. More of this comic, we get little nuggets of information and story, just enough to keep our beak wet until next time. It yeah, is beat the, be- the this beak story wet. is maniacal and all sorts of messed up, but also so intriguing. It's a haunting story. Haunting, wet that beak. Come Let's on. see where the adventure takes us next. Is that webbing. a phrase implying graft? Like what? <laughs> How you use wet your beak. That's like when you get some illegal money on the side to do something. Oh, no. no I don't know. I don't I, actually, this. I don't know if it's that. I, honestly, I don't think I, it's that when, all the time. When Maybe I hear I, you rarely hear someone say, I'm going to wet my beak. I, I want to keep my beak wet. Yeah, you got to keep we're really it wet. Into like, what are we, a parrot? Why, why is the. That's just, they're just having a little drink of water. What are we, parrot? Well, anyway, this book. Wet is that very beak. Good. Invincible Iron Man number 14 from Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Brian Dukes, who is not related to the Varian Valenza that I went to elementary school with, as far as I know. 
Let's see. They're spelled different. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> my point being that in this issue, we are mostly following Riri Williams and Forge as they try to figure out what's going on. Oh, with uh, Alex, and, hold I'm on, so hold on. sorry. I'm there. No, that's the main event of the issue is there no, no, with no, the Mandarin rings. And I think that's pretty much it. Nope. I am so invested in the Tony Stark Emma Frost relationship. I love it. I'm invested in this. This is the this is the marriage I'm behind. I'm giving up my marriage. This what? is the marriage I'm investing in because Wait, you're just giving up your marriage. I'm Does just that just up for grabs. Some someone else can come along and just take it. I don't know what you mean by that, but don't just. Keep your beak dry when it comes to my marriage, okay? <laughs> Don't wet that beak. But I, the the front piece of this story with Tony Stark and Emma Frost, front piece. I love them as a couple. I love the way this is going. I, I like the the Forge and Riri stuff is great too. I've just been loving this book in general, and I want more of the Tony Stark White Queen stuff. So let me get this straight: that wasn't Tony and Pepper getting it on. I'm so sorry. No. No. Damn. Wow. That's, that Great. changes things. Asked and um, answered. It, yes, it does change things. <laughs> yeah. You know, we get some stupid Nimrod stuff here, but uh, the last panel being motorcycle helmet Wolverine was a little weird. Uh, You're going to see a bad stuff. Wolverine. Yeah. That's – was that Iron Man? No, I think they have Wolverine clones that Iron Man's going to have to fight. Uh, yeah, the okay. last panel was the tease for that. That's <laughs> right. Yes, I was briefly mixing up Iron Man and X Men, which we're going to talk yep. about later on Way in the stack. It. Yes, um, X Men. It is 30. weird still that Iron Man is so closely tied to X Men continuity right now, but at the same time, <sighs> it's so good. Loving this book, like you said, very invested in that relationship. Also, really like what they did with Forge and Riri in this book. And I wanted to give a shout out to my old elementary school mate, Brian Valenza, for the layouts in this issue in particular. There were a lot of really nice parallels throughout here. There was uh, these close-ups of Riri throughout the book that I thought were really interesting. Um, I don't know. I was very surprised by the layouts and the look of the book in particular. So yeah, it was stuff. really great. Uh, shouts to, I think Forge is a really, really funny in this. He, mm-hmm. he asked yeah. Riri who she's like, I'm building armor. Uh, or I'm building a great machine out of Mysterium. And he's like, are you doing a bit or what's the deal? That sounds made up. <laughs> and like, just a funny, like a uh, rug pull. I thought was great. Um, but I think Tony Stark. Yes. He doesn't, seem like he should be in X continuity, but he's filling a great personality gap we have in the X universe because Cyclops off the table, Jean Grey's off the table, Professor X, everyone's distant and weird. To have Tony Stark coming in here and White Queen have like real romance, that's the kind of stuff that X books used to do a ton of. And we are, we've just been missing it because everyone's in a bad place. So this relationship at center stage, I love it. Next up, Nightwing 110 for DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Sammy Basri. This is tying into the Beast World storyline as Nightwing and John Kent team up to go rescue Damien Rain, who's been turned into a little kitty called 
Mr. Whiskers? No, Mr. Mittens, you asshole. Mr. Mittens, excuse me. <laughs> and forced into a fight club by a woman who ate a piece of Beast Boy and turned into a Beast Girl herself. Um, like that, that said, I think we can all agree, cover of the century. Yes! I have in all caps, hilarious cover. Just uh, this cat cover, Robin as a cat, as Mr. Mittens, knocking over a Bloodhaven snow globe off of a shelf, just like cats do, is just makes this whole Beast World arc worth it. You know, this, this is cover a, alone. You know, it's a, I believe, Real Housewives meme. Oh, uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, it's a It'll great meme. Pete, there's a great variant in the back um, that you can see of uh, them drawing whiskers on Damien. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, I, yeah, I just think this is just uh, such a fun, executed idea of like, what if everybody kind of beasts out, and what does that mean, and what kind of madness can ensue? And uh, yeah, in in this issue, we get so much fun of these characters and then also different kind of montages, people like biting these fucking things as they're jumping for their mouths. Just just fun. Just having fun with this concept and uh, this idea and blowing it out in cool ways. So I'm having a blast with it. And it seems like they are, too. I continue to enjoy Beast World stuff. Um, I really like the introduction of this Beast Girl as a villain here. Mm -hmm. But I will say, with a book as great as Nightwing, let's get back to some Nightwing stuff. I think uh, I'm I'm ready to see. Visit Beast World. Have a little fun. Then you can go back to Nightwing. Oh, sorry. Do you own an Olive Garden suddenly? (laughs) Come on. Free breadsticks for you and your family. Uh... I think that Artemis we is actually... We need a family. Forget about it. Come on down. Add some breadsticks over here. Uh, wow. Is LePage an Italian name? Uh, <laughs> the art in here is really good. Uh, I And so, like, th- this issue isn't bad by any means. I'm just ready to get back to the fun stuff that we have going this on. This is fun. Uh, it is fun. I The Beast World thing, the thing that's really holding me up about Beast it World. is the fact that Beast the rest World. of the world seems like... Mostly to be operating as normal, and they're like, ah, man, bunch of beasts out there. While every yeah. superhero is like, there are hundreds of spores. We are fighting them constantly. And then you cut to let anybody else, like literally anywhere else in the world, and people are like, you're about that beast thing? Anyway, uh, yeah, two coffees, please. Well, I, I will say they've done a good job of justifying it where they're like, well, the spores latch on to the most powerful people. So That's there's right. a real it's a real pecking order thing. And I honestly <laughs> wish they did more of it where Super is hanging out and it's like, who's this spore going to go for? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Or like the three of us are hanging out getting coffee and the spore. Who's the spore go for? Of course, we're following. thinking about it. Yeah. Are we somewhere getting Mountain Dew? Uh, no. What? Why are we getting Mountain Dew as a group? Yeah, like, why would we go to a coffee shop? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Getting shout. Mountain Dew is not a friend activity. Or you should know this, Pete. Definitely not a date activity. So just keep that in on lock as you're moving through. I don't know who you're life. dating, but. <laughs> well, I just gave up my marriage for Tony and Craig. So yep. I got to figure it out. I'll go to really, the hottest really? Mountain Dew barista. 
Really, it seems like both of you are killing your darlings, which is appropriate because we're going to talk about Kill Your hey. Darlings number five from Image Comics, written by Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan, art by Robert Quinn. We're getting a bunch of origin story stuff here in this issue for our fight between this imaginary world that's not so imaginary and the real world. Um, this series continues to really build nicely in its mythology and its emotion, every issue. I'm very impressed with what they're doing here. Agree. The the issue, like, this comic feels just very confidently helmed. It's uh, not telling too much. It feels like they're very much in command of the story and are just moving through their issues. This issue feels pretty spare from a, like... Uh, just the um, literally um, the amount of words, but just giving us these big emotional moments that are building out the backstory. Yeah, I think this is a really intense ish. Uh, Prager's lady has a baby, and then the ghost hand touches it. Oh, oh, oh. just yeah, you got to watch that ghost hand. Yeah, you got to make. That's why the doctors, a lot of them, are fending off ghost hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but amazing. Art. Did you watch that video when you had your creepy kids? story? Like, beware of ghost hands. Yeah. Yeah, Always. definitely. That's why the TV show Ghosts is fucked up, because I'm like, get out of well, here. That's why I'm really looking Ants. forward to our Weekend Geek segment, because we're going to talk a lot about ghost stands. <laughs> Are you dying? I think I'm What's kidding, but on? tune in. Wow. Great. I, I look forward. That's almost like a threat from Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash comic book club, and you two can hear whatever this is. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, number 10 from Marvel, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Kev Walker. We've been following the Guardians as they all turned into wood. They're yep. all part of Groot now, and they're fighting against Peter Quill's evil sister who wants to destroy Groot space. Um, Really like Kev Walker's art in this issue. Yes. Very disappointed that this is going from issue 10 to... Ending in an annual, which is yeah. like an external thing, but it's very frustrating to me as a comic book fan. Well, let me throw that in general. Like, I love uh, Landing and Kelly's work. I feel like yes. they're such a they're a great writing team. Really refreshing stories for most of yeah. their titles. But this Guardians book has just been a miss for me across mm-hmm. the board, and I don't know Ooh. why. It feels like. They've just been very coy with the storytelling, and it feels like the story's like, we are family, and I'm like, I know, we know. Literally all of the movies are like, the Guardians are family. Like, we don't, that's not a theme we need to echo when here. you're here, you're family. Yeah, I know. They're basically living in an Olive Garden. Grootfall is like... Are you like, pitching this? Are you pitching an Olive Garden? Is that what's going on? Guys, come on. Let's all go in and buy an Olive Garden together. All right. See, this is how he gets us to move to Pennsylvania. We own an Olive Garden together. <laughs> That's right. I'll we can podcast whatever we want if we owned an Olive yeah. Garden. Now, that's, see, that's a trap because we're going to be in the kitchen making breadsticks, arguing with the people who are mad about their bottomless zuppe. Which is Italian for soup. Uh, it's a trap. Now, the weirdest thing to me, though, no, sorry to take like a little bit of a side turn here, is with breadsticks, how you're never allowed to show the tip of the breadstick. Oh, it's like, <laughs> that's all you could you show. You know it's a breadstick. You, you know it's a shaft. You can only like, show the tip. Excuse yeah, me, only- waiter, waiter, <laughs> can you get these disgusting breadsticks off the table? Give me. Only shaft. I requested only shafts. I can't have these tips. Excuse me. I have scandalizing a bowl my- of dickheads here. I wanted <laughs> shafts. I, 
if you're listening, if you're confused about what's going on here, if you come down to the comic book club Olive Garden in Pennsylvania, we'll take the breadsticks and we will bite the tips right off of it. So all you get is shaft. I'm sorry. We we just lost the franchise Uh, based on the words that just came out of our mouths. The franchise has been taken. Anyways, I don't care what you guys say. I think uh, (laughs) this Guardians run is very interesting and full of crazy, interesting ideas. This whole Grootfall thing is so weird and crazy that I'm really hoping it's going to turn around and be okay. But so far it's not. Uh, I just think that um, (laughs) this, I love this issue. The comedy of it, Drax being like distracted by his uncooperative soul is a hilarious bit that plays out throughout this issue. Um, Yeah. And Peter's going for the throne. I think that's a cool idea. I'm excited to see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. You really are you have the steadfast ability to continue talking as Alex and I are losing it. You're like, you'd be a great restaurant manager, Pete. Yeah. Ah, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I just keep picturing a waiter. Being Would you like, guys like a booth? Like, hey, can or... we get a basket of breadsticks? Be like, sure. Chefs or tips? <laughs> chefs or tips? Oh, we'll take just the chefs. Oh, oh, thank hey. you. This is a family establishment. Box up the tips, though. I'll take them home for later. <laughs> I want half and half. Surprise me. <laughs> tips for tips. I'll, tips for tips. All right. Superman number 10. We should talk about it here. Written by Joshua Williamson. Art by Bruno Redondo. Wow. This is how far we've fallen. John Felipe. Pete is truly managing this. I'm of, so of a podcast. Died. All right, Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about Superman number 10, please? Uh, this is great. This is like cowboy action. Superman goes west. We get some uh, great backstory on this new character uh, created, uh, Marilyn Moonlight, who I really like. This is a yeah, fun character who is a ghost in present day. We get back to the real person who is in the Wild West. Superman time traveling feels like a fun little standalone. Shouts to the art. Beautifully colored, great Bruno Redondo art. Yes. Uh, Now that I've gathered myself back together, I was surprised this didn't go on longer. I was actually really looking forward to... A Superman. You talking about the, the breadstick bit? <laughs> no, no, uh, the no Superman. One is absolutely not. Uh, the Superman of the Old West arc, because that's such a fun concept. I would have read this for like three issues, maybe more. Um, but they kind of figure it out, and they ditch it halfway through the issue in a fun way. It's very enjoyable. Like we mentioned, the art is really good. Just Bruno yeah. Redondo impeccable. Um, very excited about the place where it ends up too. teeing up the next issue where we're going to get a like rewind it back and show how we got there type moment. This run has been great. I, I love yes. it. Uh, next love up. It. Oh, yeah, What's the ahead. furthest place from here? I, I'm back. I'm back. What's the furthest place from here? Oh, wait, I didn't even write down what number it was. Number 17. <laughs> <Yep>. Number <laughs> 17. Uh, from Image Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Bernie. Tyler Boss. In this issue, we are getting more adventures with our post-apocalyptic teens. So big revelations for some of them in terms of how the world actually works. Um, and the danger gets worse, as it always oh, man, does. does it. 
a little bit getting the band back together here. It feels like yeah. we're building toward, I don't know when the end of this uh, series or arc or this or iteration of it. it end. Well, I feel like it, it, we're definitely building towards something bigger now. The last like handful of issues I feel like have been really laying out bigger ideas and now bringing some of the earlier characters back in the fold means we're uh, coming towards something and I'm excited to see what that is. I love this book. One of the most unique creative books on the stands. Yes, I agree. Bergy is killing this. I mean, yeah, the the start of this whole thing was like, oh shit, someone killed the new guy. Just like great start to an issue awesome art style the oh shit twist at the end uh just exciting uh i love the fight scene in the woods um yeah the, the, it just it really is super tight bananas art i i i'm just so impressed with this book from top to bottom the way the writing meets the art style and creates this unbelievable world that uh is so unique and different and uh yeah every issue is just uh, really impressive artistically. Fantastic Four, number 16 from Marvel, written by Ryan North, art by Francesco Mortorino. The Fantastic Four kids are back, but the Fantastic Four is still not living in New York. They're living in the suburbs and sending their kids to regular school. Of course, Valeria and Franklin can't take that. And they develop a universal solvent that ends up eating its way almost to the center of the earth. Another fun lark of an adventure for this Fantastic Four book. I am having a blast reading this. Agree completely. I love how this book is rooted in real science, every issue, and then goes on some fun, character-driven stories. The So I agree with you completely. Every issue is a pleasure. Looking forward to next issue feels like we're going into a maybe more intense place based on the the last page preview. I think you said that in the last one too, but so far it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, this is just just fun, you know, lighthearted. Oh geez, science experiment gone wrong. What are we gonna do? Oh geez. Um, well I, I think after wait, how many issues? After fifteen issues where the kids have been gone to have them back and focus in yeah. on them, I thought was a really smart decision. It is fun. It is sweet because we've been worried about them for so long to see Reed Richards just making tacos and hanging out with the family is fun as well. Um, I really like this book. I'm having a very nice time with it. Superman Lost, number 10 for DC Comics, written by Christopher Priest, art by Carlo Pagolian and Jose Luis. The final issue of this book that has been following a Superman who was lost in time and space, ultimately coming back. Very PTSD to Lois years and years later, at least his time, five minutes, her time. We've been playing with a lot of different ideas here from Lois seemingly getting cancer via Lex Luthor to Superman, as teased throughout this issue, maybe having an affair and impregnating an alien Green Lantern. Um, this series really plays with your emotions and ends up in a big way that is supposed to be heroic i think but is kind of heartbreaking at least the way yes. i read it i don't know about you guys i mean just sounds like you're on the same wavelength yeah and i really love this book the the idea of, of really getting superman out there and into a place where he has to change superman is such a steadfast hero and character that like 
to do to have a book where he really truly has to be different is interesting. I actually wish this was an out of continuity book where uh, he could have. It is an out well, of but I guess then like more of a black label or something that went a little yeah. harder, where we were able to have Superman actually like love someone else and like actually make some of these bigger choices that would make for a different story. I feel like a lot of them ended up just being like, no, he didn't do that. And no, she does, doesn't have that. Uh, Lois is fine. So like, we didn't get some of the bigger swings that were set up, but I just shouts to this story for giving us those seeds uh, along the way. Pete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, There's some, twists and turns here. I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but I'm going to keep reading to find out. I mean, this is the last well, issue. It's over. Yeah, it's no, done. No, no. <laughs> uh, oh, no. I didn't find out. Yeah, you didn't find out. Um, <laughs> I, I was hoping to find out, but then I got to the end and was like, well, I'll read the next one and then I'll know, but it turns no, out it, it's done. It. This is it. Spoilers here, if anybody is wondering, my interpretation of events is basically... We had Superman, the one that we've been following, traveled, spent years and years on this planet. Yes, in the white suit. Was unable to save this planet, was traumatized by it, got back home, ultimately found a way with the Justice League to get back there. It might take his entire lifetime. It might take it forever to do that, to save this planet. But along the way, when he was traveling home, he bumped into an older version of Superman from essentially an alternate part of the timeline who also never made it home. What he did in this final issue is he took that ultimate Superman, put him in a device that reversed his aging and his PTSD so that he emotionally was at a place before all that happened. So he could be the pure, earnest Superman that Lois knows and loves, sends him back to Earth, and he's back there while the Superman we've been following maybe never returns home. Oh. Uh, I think that's what's going on here. Yeah, wow. I think that's right. The thing that's kind of messed up about it is it ends with a panel of Superman and Lois happily flying towards the camera, so to speak. That is at odds with the feeling that I got at the end of the issue. So I'm not... sure what was meant there, whether you were supposed to be like, yay, Superman and Lois always together, or feel the ironic nature of, no, wait, Superman literally got lost. Like, he left forever. He is gone. I think the latter. I think this book was very much like, what if Superman lost and then got, and then he naturally then is lost. Yeah. Like but he, can't he take got that to out. take an older version of himself and send him back to be like, yo, help help Lois out, would you please? Mm-hmm. I, wa- I want yeah. you to fuck my wife. Do you ever feel like you're sending a, an older version of yourself back <laughs> after after like a long weekend? Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes like, if I'm drinking right, at the bar for too long, time after this like, podcast, hey, man. Doppelganger, just add back. You, yeah, you take yeah. over my life. I've had enough. You go. I'm, yeah, you I'm Justin lost. 
<laughs> the NFL Gang Massacre, number six from Image Comics, written by Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips. This is the final issue of this series, which is following a gang who massacred a bunch of people and then was massacred themselves. Oh, they, they was more than they, they were they massacred. massacred less people. Sure. Justin, you've been a big fan of the series and that Texas blood. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I love that Texas Bloods, my team from that on this book. It's a passion project uh, using some real historical things. This issue uh, references a a story that a lot of us, I think, were maybe exposed to um, in uh, high school. Um, Ambrose Bierce's uh, The In Occurrence in Owl Creek Bridge. We get a, if you never read that, definitely check it out. Or there's like a short, you can probably find it online. This uh, issue uh, uses that sort of storytelling device uh, to great effect, I think, and brings us back to where this series started. Really enjoyed this from top to bottom. Jacob Phillips' art is excellent. Just give me some more. Yeah, I think that this is just absolutely amazed Ball's art, and uh, all the montage of possible life together was super sweet. This is a great last issue. Really, really impressive throughout. Like both of you guys have been saying, this is a perfect team working together and a really perfect and heartbreaking end to the series. Even if you haven't been reading That Texas Blood, you can check this out as its own dedicated, very violent Western, sad and poignant and epic um, with some great action throughout. Daredevil number five from Marvel, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Farad Karami. There's a big issue that kind of reveals what exactly, at least in part, is a raid against Daredevil. Daredevil is now a priest. Here he is teaming up with She-Hulk to go on a food tour of New York that goes horribly wrong. Oh, man. Or horribly right. Mm. How hungry are you? Yeah, I mean, that's they're putting on an eating display of legendary proportions. I was in awe of the gullets that got uh, uh, so shoveled. you're you're on the side of gluttony here, right? Oh, yeah, big yeah. time. Yeah, they do a classic meal into meal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like showing up to restaurants being like, give me the left side of the menu. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, flex. That's a flex. My. I like this issue. I like the reveal here of what is going on with Daredevil. My one issue is I was ahead of everything this entire time. time. Like, as soon as She-Hulk comes in, the way she's acting, you know something's wrong. The fact that Daredevil didn't pick up on it, I thought was weird and against his character. And it's well, maybe also, he hasn't seen her a while. You know what I mean? I guess. People do get weird. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, and I don't know. I knew what was happening pretty much from the beginning of the issue. Well, so. well done, Smarty Pants. I don't think it's well done, Smarty Pants. I do think you are able to get ahead of the action, which is not a great thing. Yeah, well, I, it's enjoyable I, because you can be like, I'm smarter than the story. Yeah, yeah. You can really dine out on that. Yeah, first. I yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, I do like the um, art in this. I think it's nice. There's a great panel of Daredevil's sort of new look with the classic uh, black uh, mask over his eyes and the priest collar on a black T-shirt, which I think is an interesting new look. But I agree with you, Alex. There's just something a little off about this run so far. So I do hope that this actual structure going forward will give it a little more of an organizing principle. I disagree. I love everything that's happening here. I also really appreciate the uh, the way that they kind of communicate 
communicated She-Hulk's manic kind of nature through the art. I thought it was well done, just the different positions and kind of, you know, it just was clear wasn't really She-Hulk. And I think that was super uh, on point. Uh, but also love the Doctor Strange cameo we got at the end there. Uh, Give me hope for the future. To be clear, for anybody who was reading, that was She-Hulk. She was taken over by an entity that we won't get into at the moment. Want to That's move right. on with Titans number seven from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Travis Moore. This is following Brother Eternity, the villain we've been following since the beginning of the series, turns out to actually be a guy from Tamarin. I believe that's the planet that Starfire is from, who is tied to her past. Meanwhile, we have a bunch of beasts that are invading Titan Tower at the same time. So they're fighting a war on multiple fronts. What'd you guys think about this issue? Uh, Pretty fun. Uh, Like I said, I've been enjoying the general, like, uh, things crawling into your mouth nature of the beast world event i feel like people are pretty flip though here where it's like did did garth just die in this crossover for them and they're also like nightwing's a fox of course he's a fox (laughs) he's so he's so fucking hot every day you know what i mean his butt uh so like uh so that's that's interesting but uh i do like what's happening i think the art is good um, down to see um, the rest of the this event's shaft. Oh, wow. Yeah, this continues to be great. Love the art. Uh, love all the action. The Flash having fun with uh, Fox Wing uh, was hilarious. More, please. Now that you say it, though, Justin, I do feel like I like the joke of Nightwing being a fox, but he should have been an animal with a better butt, right? What, what is the best, the best animal's butt? What animal has the best butt, I guess? Um, elephants have a pretty good butt. I was going to say hippo. Oh, yeah, hippos. Nice. You guys got, like big nice butts, toy. and you cannot lie. <laughs> it seems like. You guys are both like, give me that elephant and hippo butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's something we learned about, both of you. Yep. When I walk into the club with a... Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Our Bones Dust, number two. Your Bones from- Dust, Alex, after that. <laughs> <laughs> Our Bones Dust, number two, from Image Comics by Ben Stebbeck. This takes place in a, a post-apocalyptic world where basically everybody's eating each other. There is an alien slash AI who is cataloging everything and ends up in a little trouble here by the end of this issue. Justin, I know you loved this one. Man, uh, these two issues, I love this book. It's The tone is so cool. I like that the humans are have gone primitive. They are like, they've lost language in general. We're following this like um, kid who's running away from everyone. And then I just love the way that the uh, intelligent aliens, quote unquote, are like sort of chill. And they're like, ah, I'm just going to go check this out a little bit. Like it's just the language is funny. The villain that they encounter is scary in the right way. The art is really dope. Um, ben Sandbeck doing both writing and art. Dave Stewart on colors. Like this is just uh, one of the my favorite books that's been coming out. Yeah. Uh, Boner Dust is uh, is fun. Um Awesome start to this issue. You know, we got no <laughs> Wait, words. that's a nick that's your nickname for this book? Boner Dust? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. That's what at our Olive Garden you ask for a uh, <laughs> boner basket dust, of yeah. shafts with extra extra boner dust. Uh yeah. Parmesan cheese. 
amazing art. Uh, you know, uh, I, I feel like the the kind of robot, you know, uh, stuff is kind of insane. But uh, yeah, great ish. Love the little kid. Sad dogs in the background were fucking heartbreaking as shit. Some of them didn't have limbs, and you could see like the ribs of the dog and stuff. And you're like, oh my god, this is just. Felt like Sarah McLaughlin was going to pop up and start singing to me. It was some sad it, shit. It would be crazy if she was there. I really love this book as well. The art feels like the love child of Mobius meets Windsor McKay a little Ooh. bit. Ooh, um, nice. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of this. I also like you, Justin. Really like the tone here. It's very offhand, but there's still a he lot. Says of he likes you, Justin. Going. Uh, there's a lot of danger for our main characters at the same time. Really, really good debut so far. Amazing Spider-Man number 42 from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr. We are continuing the Gang War storyline, and here, basically it is coming down to Beetle versus Madame Mask. Spoiler for the end of the issue. I didn't know. I'm not really like a big gang guy, but I didn't realize when it's a gang war, it's literally two armies of gangs who get together, probably get the permits from the park department, I assume, in the middle of Central yeah. Park and face off in a big line against each other. But I guess that's how it is. Yeah, they must have but, broke up so many Ultimate Frisbee games to have this game. Oh, with. my God. Yeah. Plus, you you know, you got to get there. I mean, that's why it's Dawn. So they can claim the party. Mm-hmm. They're like, Central yeah. Park. Dawn, we're gonna fight. Because you know there'd be a dude there. It's like I'm having my kid's birthday party here. Get the (laughs) fuck out of here, Beetle. Yeah, uh, this is insane, but also enjoyable. Um, It was weird how Kingpin was just like, "Yo, I'm not fighting anymore," and everybody was like, "What?" And then he's like, "Boop, I'm having cute times with my lady. I'm out of here." And we're just like, "Okay, uh, see you later. Thanks for." Almost wanting to fight us. It was cute. I feel like Zeb Wells' style has really come into play here in a good way with little moments like that that are fun and weird and surprising while at the same time maintaining this larger storyline. Yeah, I'm still enjoying this. I This feels a little bit like, okay, we have two issues to go. Let's get everybody in place for the finale. And here we go. And um, action. And action, yeah. Uh, so that's a little a middling issue, I guess I would call it. But Ooh, at the same wow. time, How John Romita Jr. art, Zeb Wells seems yes, to be having fun. On. I am more into Amazing Spider-Man than I've been in a yeah, Zeb Wells. very long while, so that's nice to see. Moving on to the Bloody Dozen, number two from Image Comics, written by Charles Soule, art by Alberto Jimenez-Albuquerque. We had Charles Soule on our live show this week talking about the Bloody Dozen and the rest of the Shrouded College. This is a jailbreak set on the sun where a bunch of astronauts have sent to break out a bunch of vampires or potentially kill them. I guess we're not 100% sure, but at the same time, very, very fun, high-octane series. Do you guys agree? Yeah, Ooh. I mean, we got space vampire training here. This is fun, great stuff. Uh, I feel like this is such a cool setup, and, uh, you know, got to get up there in space, man. That's where the cool shit happens. That's where it all goes down. So by the end of this ish, we're right at the cusp of uh, it all about uh, to come together. 
Big Armageddon training session yeah, energy here dude. in this issue, uh, which is fun. I mean, we talked about it a little bit in our interview with Charles on the live show Did about just know? just how wide the different legs of the Shrouded College stuff is, where the last issue was focusing on demonic coins. This is Space Vampires by the Sun. Who knows what the other... There are five more miniseries, four to five more miniseries. Yeah, I there's believe four he- more miniseries, and then the last one is kind of kind of be the Avengers miniseries that will break the end together. game, if you will. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it like uh, wild swings all the time. The Shrouded College still remains pretty shrouded, but I guess that's mm-hmm. sort of the point. Black Hammer, the end, number five from Dark Horse Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Malachi Come on. Ward. The anti-god is making some big moves to destroy all of reality. Meanwhile, in one pocket reality, two black hammers are fighting. Every issue of this is good. Yes, every issue is good. But the last panel on this is so great. Epic even. I almost jumped out of my seat. Cannot wait for the next ish. I hope the inspector is okay. Amazing art. Amazing sector. Yes, exactly. Uh, great art, great use of sound in the art, just across the issue. Really like it, but agree. Every issue is good. Excited for the next. Sad if that's the end. Yeah. Alien number three from Marvel, written by Declan Shalvey, art by Andrea Bricardo and Declan Shalvey. We are following two yeah. timelines on an icy planet infested with aliens. One we're seeing way back in the day with their origins and in the... I guess we can call it present timeline, a bunch of white aliens who have blended in with the snow are attacking. White blue, I would say. Sure. They're white fuzzy. Sort of a sky blue, like a robin's egg. Yeah. yeah. They're robin's egg aliens. Anyway, they're killing people. Yeah, big time. I mean, humans are getting their ass handed to them in this ish. I mean, uh, even the robot human got fucked up. Uh, this is just like the last couple of pages <laughs> of this comic are just humans, robot humans, totally fucking losing. So it's it's awesome, but also not good for if you're team human. Uh, but man, this continues to be such a banger event and so epic. Uh, I'm enjoying the shit of it and can't wait for more. The aliens just keep getting bigger in this comic. Yeah. It's almost like a uh, King Kong Godzilla situation here. Agreed. Yeah. I thought the action was a lot clearer in this issue. I've uh, expressed some confusion with exactly what is going on in the previous issues, but we're starting to head towards a collision point with both of these timelines, which I really liked. There's some good emotional texture with a character or characters that we followed in the previous series that Declan Shalvey wrote. Um, so that's good stuff. And I really like the... Robin's Egg Blue, is that what we settled on? Yep, that's what we said. Sure. I would say Ice White Aliens, but whatever you guys want to say. Anyway, really like, there's very good panels of them swarming over ships that I thought were cool and terrifying. Captera, Universal Truths, number six from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Kagan McLeod. This is the final issue of this series, which is a super queer take on masters of the universe involving a dude from earth who is trapped on essentially a with a bunch of weirdos nice. and has to make his way back. 
very emotional, poignant final issue. Yeah. I yeah. love this series. Yeah, like give it up for Chip Zdarsky to give just elevate the Masters of the Universe, like barely their uh, character connections to tell like a great big emotional story. And the Kagan McCloud art is is so good. It's fitting and has that sort of throwback vibe to it while at the same time uh, feeling fresh. This it, this was a really fun read. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of art where it almost has like a cartoony feel to it, but not like the too cartoon. much. Yeah, but it uh, it also has a, a poignancy to it as well. But yeah, He Man Love, man, it's just uh, He Man on He Man Love, and uh, yeah, it's sweet but also funny. You know, beef. Uh, give beef a shout out in this, but yeah, uh, enjoyable. <laughs> sad. You mean beef the meat? No, beef the character, the giant meat oh, the character in this issue. The meat one. I, I, I want to give, give beef the meat a shout out. Hey, <laughs> just a shout out to beef. It's what's for dinner. Yeah, Sam Elliott, man. It really changed my life. Beef. Last but not least, X-Men number 30 from Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Phil. Dukes? A bunch of stuff going on this issue, including a check-in with Cyclops, who is being imprisoned. This is you mean taking therapy. place seemingly before, I assume, what happened in Fall of the House of X, where he was put on trial. But the main bulk of the issue is taken up with Talon, a.k.a. X-23, a.k.a. Laura, and Sync, going on a mission back to the place where they spent thousands of years in one of the giant size X-Men issues that came out Great issue. earlier. Phenomenal issue. They have to head back there. They have to get um, a relic. A Is it Sink's blood back from the high? No, evolution. they gave him. They, Sink, gave, him <laughs> they gave the high evolution Sink's blood. They have to get this like little doodad. Yeah, okay, so it's just a little doodad. Um, heartbreaking issue. I was uh. punched in the gut by the end of it. Um, great stuff, hard to read. Loved the twist here. And like I said, I think last week when we were talking about how, like, oh, they're really killing people off in the X-verse. That's when you know we're headed for some big old Moira McTaggart-style reset. And this issue does it in, perhaps does something like that in the most emotional way possible. Love this issue. Great art as well by Phil Noto. Like, the X-universe is really humming right now, I think. Yeah, Cyclops goes to therapy, which is important. You should find someone you can talk to, feel comfortable opening up to. I mean, there's no shame in it, you know. Um, and then, uh, then we see a couple uh, doing claw time one last time. And uh, you love X twenty three. I this do. This was love a, X-23. a nice, like, emotional story. Surely you liked the end here. She's finding love in a hopeless place. Yeah, she's in sync. Uh, Pete is actually, as far as I can tell, in the other room right now. That's very weird. Yeah. He's decided to stop talking about this. He's <laughs> X'd himself out. And I he, am he's gonna, going. He's doing therapy right now. I'm going to X myself out of this podcast. If you'd you. like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night we at do. 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter slash X comic book club live 
on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Club. The real trick is who's going to cook the food at the Olive Garden. I'll I'll cook the chefs. (laughs) And I'll cook the tips. (laughs) Hope we don't run into each other and mix them up, because that could be, oh, man. Oh, boy. Oops, Oops. all tips. (laughs) (laughs) 